No, oh, I think I'm going to go, yeah, instead of cool beans, I think I'm going to say chilled legumes. Oh, boy. We're I'm going to start the recording over so that we don't have to sift through that <laughs> chilled legumes bit. Welcome to Two Weird Camera Beards, the Midwest Photo Podcast, with your host, Kevin Deskins. I'm uh, I'm Kevin Deskins, your director of marketing here at Midwest Photo, and uh, with me is my co-host, Tom Wright. Hi, I'm Tom Wright, <laughs> and I'm the sales manager here at Midwest Photo. Yep. Uh, today, we're going to bring you uh, a new podcast. This is our very first episode of Two Weird Camera Beards. Uh, before we get uh, diving into everything, I just want to kind of give you an overview of who we are as people, who we are as a company, and what this podcast is going to be all about. Um, so if you're not not familiar with our camera store, we're, we're Midwest Photo. We're uh, a, a camera store, video, audio, and printing specialty store here in Columbus, Ohio. We're in the heart of Columbus, Ohio. We're just off of 71 and Weber. Uh, if you get off on 70, if you get off on Weber on 71, uh, northbound or southbound, uh, you can kind of find us on that corner. We're on Silver Drive, so uh, kind of sandwiched in between uh, this nice speedway and uh, very nice auto zone as well. Advanced so, auto parts or uh, advanced, something like yeah, that. Advanced auto yeah. parts, yeah. So uh, we're right there. We have a large 15,000 square foot store where you can, if, if you're interested in visuals or printing or audio or video of any type, we've got all the equipment here for you to play with and, and try out, rent, or even buy um, we even have a demo section on our sales floor where you can take a one-on-one -on -one with one of our sales associates as well, but kind of give you a history of what we're all about. Our founder, Stu Applebaum, he, um, he started this back in the eighties when he was a student at OSU, uh, trying to make a few extra bucks on the side. He would buy in used cameras and then he would sell them out of his basement. Uh, eventually Stu, <laughs> Stu outgrew his, his, uh, his operation and he had to move it to, a physical store um, and that's where we found ourselves back in the day on North High Street in Clintonville if you guys uh, some of you might be familiar with that location uh, that's where I started and yeah that's where I got to know Midwest photo too <laughs> just uh, the squeaky floors and trying to track down the right darkroom stuff for whatever OSU class I was taking at the time yeah it was uh, it's a it was an older store it was like a hundred year old building I think and uh, Ultimately, Stu, uh, Stu did his time here at Midwest Photo and decided it was time for him to take a rest, and he retired. He handed over the company to his son, Moisha Applebaum, who is our current owner and president uh, of the company. And, and Moisha, uh, he's a very good business person, and so he decided that it was time for us to kind of spread our wings and get a bigger location, get better parking, have a nice learning studio, educational center here, and uh, even a print, print area in our store. So we moved <laughs> over to Silver Drive where we are now and uh 15 again 15,000 square feet yeah a large warehouse large large it's, store large large space for you guys to explore and check out all the camera goodies yeah it's a big yeah it's a big space with a lot of cool it's nice to be able to show off that gear in a in such a nice space so yeah, yeah i love it yep absolutely so that's who we are as a company uh the the podcast itself may not always focus necessarily on the company it's it's definitely something that tom and i are going to use to kind of geek out on gear and topics that are going yeah. on in the industry because uh, that's that's who we are here as people um yeah. a lot of our our sales we we chat regularly about what's going on in the industry and what's going on with new gear we're we're more than just some people trying to to 
you know, sell you gear. We're actually actively interested in what you're creating and actively interested in what's, what kind of new technologies are coming out. So with that said, uh, that's, that's what the podcast is going to be about. We're going to talk about different things here. We're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about, um, tips and tricks, uh, what's going on. We're going to find different articles to talk about. Our own uh, photo endeavors, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Different projects that we both do because everybody yeah. here is, is pretty much a photographer and, um, we'll also have, you know, in the future we hope to have guests on. Totally. We've, we've talked to a few people who are very interested in having on as guests. Yeah. So it won't just be the two of us. Just, yeah. Just the two. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get tight. We're going to get real tight from this, from this, uh, podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. So to get you guys an idea of who we are as people, uh, we've come up with a few questions for ourselves that, uh, Tom and I are going to kind of just do a quick interview of each other to, so that you, you get an idea of who we are as, as people. Um, so Tom, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, how oh, do boy. You, uh, oh, oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Tom. <laughs> uh, Tom, how'd you get started in photography, buddy? So I got started, uh, kind of, kind of similar ways to a lot of other people. I took a darkroom class in high school. My dad, I was actually a little bit more uh, prepared for it just because my dad had also had a dark room in our basement when I was growing up, um, which I never really saw him use, but my brother kind of re re-outfitted it when he was in college. He was in college when I was in about junior high. So being able to kind of see that experience and I'd hang out in the dark room while he was making prints and stuff like that. And yeah. That, that, that's kind of where I came from. And, uh, I had a little point, a little yellow point and shoot like Fuji that I got from FYE at the Piqua mall. So Ooh, FYE. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure it was like $8 on sale or something, <laughs> but I took, I actually recently developed a role from that camera. My dad handed me a little, uh, a little Tupperware container full of, uh, shot film. And I, I just slowly was like develop, getting it developed to see if there was anything on it worth having. And one of those roles was from that, from that point and shoot. And oh, it was kind of cool to like, a lot of it, it's weird. Cause it's like a lot of it on that role is like 13 year old me kind of doing the same thing that I do. <laughs> like when I'm just out like walking and stuff, like taking selfies and shop windows and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and then of course my dad used to always whenever there was like a monument or something historical, he was also a big history buff. Uh, and he would, he would have us pose in front of the monument. And it's like, I have no idea what that is, but here I am standing next to like a frontiersman that is part of Ohio's history or something <laughs> and, and bronze or whatever. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I got started was a darkroom class in high school and, I actually went to school for design and then t was taking more and more photo classes and got more and more interested in it. So cool. Yeah. I knew your dad had shot, but I had I did not I was not aware that your brother it sounds yeah. like your brother also shot. Yeah, my brother still shoots. He oh, actually he, shoots. he actually does a lot of freelance kind of video work for small businesses in Dayton. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. He's a big like he's more of a design guy. So he, he likes to shoot like Leicas and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah really really cool stuff nice nice yeah. so what do you 
what is it that you shoot now that you en enjoy shooting or w that you shoot that you, you know, maybe you do on the side as, as, uh, so what I enjoy shooting the most now is like a lot of portraits, whether like in, I've slowly gotten more into like posed portraits just because you have more control over things. And then I also like doing stuff with like studio lighting and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then just cat pictures and really like, I think I could shoot anything and like, I like the, I like the challenge of trying to figure out ways to shoot things. Well, I like shooting hockey a lot too. Mm -hmm. I like how you, I, I like the anticipation of those moments and trying to predict like where people are going to be for the shot to look great. Yeah. So, yeah. For those who don't know, Tom is a enormous hockey fan oh boy to, yeah to, to, to the like i'm looking at him right now he's wearing a columbus blue jacket yeah so, so <laughs> we're recording this on monday uh august 3rd and the blue jackets just had a shutout last night and i'm like i am the happiest i could be right now he is yeah. he is giddy the only way i think i could be happier if it, is if it was a home game and i could have been there oh but yeah but it's all right it's all right it's great i'm just glad it's back yeah uh, what, so give us a, what's, what, do you have like a funny photo story? Uh, that I do. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've got plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had power packs explode on me and stuff like oh that, but, uh, not, not violently, but just a lot of, a lot of smoke and things that smell like I shouldn't be inhaling them. But the one that I'll, <laughs> the one that I'll share is actually another one involving my dad. Uh, he would, when when I was a kid and my brother was in drumline, uh, I think it was the Memorial Day Parade in Piqua. And uh, we, we were, my, my dad liked to kind of chase the band down the street and try to get as many shots of my brother as he could. <laughs> and so that was super embarrassing for my brother because like nobody else is gonna do that for like a small town band like, right. or their kid or whatever. Um, but yeah, so we were chasing him down the street. We got to the end of the parade and, uh, my dad handed me his camera, the, a Canon A1. And I, I was like, well, I've seen him do this a bunch of times. I was probably like 12 at the time, maybe younger. And so I went to crank the roll back into the, into the, well, I guess, yeah. Crank the film back into the roll. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know about the little pin on the bottom, so I just cranked it and ground up all the gears and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work after that until my brother had it repaired, <laughs> I think, for his college class later on. And, uh, yeah, but... And I actually have that camera now, and it works fine because my brother actually did get it repaired. But, yeah, that yeah. was... A learning experience for me. Yeah. Not... No, it was it was an accident. But did yeah. you did you get in trouble? Like, did you get grounded or? He was upset. I mean, I I think that the walk home was pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a fun walk home with him. But yeah, I, it was. But I I thought I was do I thought I was doing him a solid by just cranking it, and it was just like this feels awfully tough. But it, if this is how he does it, I mean, I, I better do it, you know. And. I'm not <laughs> I guess that's uh, today. It would be like the equivalent of your kid trying to put in a memory card for you, and they put it, yeah. in, they put it in backwards, or just... trying to pull it out and just snapping that like little ah, thing that keeps an SD card in. Ouch! Yeah, that'd be ouch. rough. Yeah. All so. right, so it, it it looks like it's your turn. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, let's do this. So, how did you start out in photography, um, Kevin? 
very similar way as, as you know, my dad. Um, he, I, I showed some kind of uh, small interest in, in a camera that he had purchased when he was younger, an AE1 program, so very similar. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had shown some slight interest in that, and he, uh, he said, okay, well, let me show you how this works. Let me show you uh, the ins and outs of this camera. Um, here's, you know, here's the aperture ring. Here's what the aperture does. And he shows me like a little diaphragm inside that opens and closes. And, you know, here's the shutter dial. Here's, here's what shutter is. And he kind of demonstrates that for me. And then there's an ISO or ASA dial on the, That's on, the awesome. on the top. And of course there's a meter inside too. So he's, he's showing me like, you know, if your shutter's at this and you know, that's, that's speed. And then you have to kind of open up for more light. So he's showing me the basics of this, but he doesn't give me a roll of film yet. He he says just just play around with this and test sure. the, test the meter, go around and point it at things and see what changes. So he he gives me those concepts first, and um, I do that for a long time. And there's even pictures of me from uh, digital cameras that family had at the time, where I'm I'm a little kid and I'm running around with this camera, just pointing it at things. And that's great. Uh, you can kind of see me in the that's back. That's kind of funny that it, that you've got <laughs> digital records of you trying to figure out like, yeah. So whatever outdated kind of gear they had yeah. laying around. So I, um, so I did that. And then ultimately he found a roll of black and white for me to, uh, play around with. And he, he, he helps me load it in and I, uh, I go around and I take photos of flowers and walls and, you know, at one point, I, I think I even pointed it up at the sky and tried to take a picture of a plane, which was absolutely ridiculous because it's a 50 millimeter one point. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Point. And he pointed up at the sky, <laughs> this tiny little black dot. I just, I totally overexposed the entire thing. Because... That's great. That's great. <laughs> um, well, and you're like, they're like, what is this picture of? It's blank. And you're like, no, that little dot, that's a plane. <laughs> so that's great. So ultimately I got, I got, I got there. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of all this, this little phantom in the background all the time, uh, of my life, uh, photos and taking photos, uh, whether that be with a small point and shoot camera that I had, you know, I had a little Nikon cool pics and then I, you know, I got camera phones and it was always just there. I took photo classes in high school and, uh, ultimately I went to college for psychology, but then I realized it wasn't really psychology hmm. I was interested in. It was, um, how people thought about advertising. So marketing huh. and, um, I went to school for marketing for a while. And then after that, uh, I realized that there was just, uh, too, too much, uh, accounting and, and left brainness to, yeah. to, to that program. So, too much statistics and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm just not, I'm not great with that kind of stuff. Um, on a book level or a class level. So I sure. uh, kind of ventured out and I ended up taking a, a Photoshop class and then it led me to a, a photo class. And um, from yeah. there it was history. I took, I That's went, funny that you, you started with a Photoshop class. Yes. I actually started with a Photoshop. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that, like, honestly, like you, like, cause I feel like you're very left brain about photo. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people say that. They yeah. say that I, I think about things in a very technical way. Yeah. Uh, you know, my wife, she went to, to a more of a fine art program, and she's a photographer and focuses more on the creative aspect, and I'm a photographer who focuses more on the technical aspect because I went yeah. to a technical program rather than a, a fine art program. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of people, they, they tell me that I think about that in a very strategic yeah, strategic way. Yeah, like almost like not not seeing the outcome first but seeing can I do this? Can I even like make this work yeah. and then and then seeing what you can make with it from there kind yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, that's that's the story of how I uh ventured into the photo world. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a funny story for us? I do. Um 
I so I once was uh, on uh, doing an assignment for a class and I uh, had to go out to this location it was a little farther from home I knew what I wanted to capture it was a water tower in my hometown and there's sun setting and everything and I get there and I've got my laptop and I've got my camera I've got my lens I've got batteries and everything and I get it all out mm-hmm. and uh, we're probably you know if I, if I head home and I come back the sun's gone Sure. But I get there and I realize I got no memory cards. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. I, I pick, that's not good. I, I find uh, this USB cord that goes from my uh, camera to my laptop and I uh, miraculously. <laughs> like a phone charging cable kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I miraculously figure out a way to, to boot up uh, Lightroom and go ahead and I just tether. I'm there in this middle of this gravel lot mm-hmm. and uh, I tether my laptop. You break out your like posing table to put the laptop on it and all that stuff. I, I prob- I'm, I'm honestly surprised I didn't have the cops called on me. That was yeah. <laughs> it was very a lot of you know those are wires and I'm hooked up to a computer. The camera's on a tripod. It was this whole mess. And uh, luckily, I passed the the course and I passed the um, I passed the assignment. Uh, it That's was awesome. Just, it, I, no memory cards. Just had to shoot straight into my laptop. Yeah. Um, so it was again a problem solving thing. But it yeah. was just I'm sitting there. I'm thinking how the Heck, did I yeah. get my memory cards in this moment? So uh, that's that's my funny story for. That's great, and the fact that it's you forgetting a memory card and starting out with a camera with no film in it, like it comes full circle there. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Yep. All right. Well, that's who we are. That's that's who we are as people, and. That's, uh... So the next kind of next segment we want to get into is we want to uh, bring a couple of uh, this. Ultimately, what we want to do is we want to bring two articles or an article to the table. And Tom and I are going to discuss what's going on in the industry uh, right now in terms of these articles. So, Tom, what what do you have for us today that you that you found? So I've got a little uh, I've got a little spec sheet in front. I guess not a spec sheet. But just uh, some points of interest, I'll call it, from our Sony specialist about, uh, and his name is Ethan Hellstrom. So if you have any questions about Sony or the new A7S that which is what I'm going to be talking about now, um, he saw a couple, he saw the initial announcement, and then uh, Sony actually had a little, like, I guess training, I think, for, for like... Uh, for us, for like sales associates and stuff like that, that we'll be getting the camera at some point. Um, but essentially, I've got the sheet of the things that he's excited about with it, and I kind of wanted to go over this a little bit. I don't want to read down the spec sheet; like it's not. You can find that pretty much anywhere online. But the things that I find the most interesting are new everything. Literally, the, the system has been redesigned from the ground up. New sensor, new processor. I've got, Ethan wrote, new menu system in all caps with 11 exclamation points behind it. That's a big deal. That's huge, yeah. yeah. Which, I don't think... So, I think uh, Sony's menu system makes sense based on where they're coming from. But it doesn't make the same kind of logical sense as like going from like Nikon, Canon like Fuji over to Sony, it feels a little bit of a shift in like, I don't know, like we were saying, like right brain to left brain kind of thing. Yeah. Which 
is understandable because I think that Sony is coming at this technology from a different standpoint. They don't, they didn't have a background in film cameras the same way Nikon, Fuji, and Canon did. Yeah. Um, they're coming from it from like a general consumer electronics viewpoint as well as like Sony motion pictures. So like cinema cameras or like, uh, kind of like news reporter cameras and stuff like that. So it is a little bit more technical. So the new menu system, uh, it looks like it's going to make a lot more sense to those people that are coming at it from like Canon and Nikon and Fuji. So, and that's been a big point of concern for folks who have shot Sony, you know, we've done classes with mm-hmm. Sony since since uh, the pandemic. We've been doing a lot of online classes, and uh, Barrett McGivney with Sony has been doing online classes for us. Uh, he's yeah. one of our reps, and he um, he'll do classes. And one of the concerns in the last class was, you know, we have to have a new menu system. Like the, the, yeah. there were people asking him in the the Q and A, like, when are we going to get a new men- menu system? Because yeah. um, well, it's always the first, like when you show somebody that can when you line up three competitive cameras and you're like, which feels the most comfortable for you, for you, which is kind of where we start a lot of times yeah. on the sales floor. Yeah. Um, the Sony people are always intrigued by the specs, but are always kind of a little hung up by the menu system, uh, which honestly, I actually used to be the Sony specialist and. I was just as intimidated from like at the beginning as anybody, but after you spend about a week or so with it, like I find that even customers come back and they're like, Oh yeah, I figured it out. I got yeah. the, my menu set up and we're off to the races sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's gonna, that's gonna help like the, the transitional people. And I think that people are a lot less kind of brand specific now brand. What is it? But yeah, they're not brand loyal. They're not as brand loyal as they used to be. Yeah. People are just kind of going where the specs or where the utility uses kind of are yeah. with the cameras. So and and who's who's listening to to like this shows that Sony is listening to sure. customers. And uh, you know that's that's something that Canon and Nikon and Fuji have done pretty well. And I think Sony is starting to to pick up on that. And I think that's great that they're they're listening and they're sure taking feedback from the public to adapt. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the, a couple other things that I'll go over is 15 stop dynamic range. Uh, Ethan's saying probably more like 13 and 14 in practice, but we'll have to see once we get the cameras in our hands. Uh, 10 bit 422, uh, five axis IBIS uh, with enhanced active mode. Uh, he said that the footage looked pretty solid from some handheld shots that they showed. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4K 60 and 4k 120 until like both of those are basically you get record times until the battery is exhausted or until the cf express card is full they claim up to half an hour for the 4k 120 on on that what is it this the cf express type a 160 card so that's pretty solid. That's yeah. crazy. And for those who who might be listening, and this this info is kind of going over your head, just to give you a breakdown on all those rambling numbers. That yeah, <laughs> right. So for ten uh, uh, bit four two two, that is the is the information in which is recorded into video. So um, yeah, ten bit four two two is the color. So we're talking about um, it's the amount of data that you get for yeah. color and for the image and all of that stuff. It's like I would say the ten bit four two two is almost like 
for video, it's somewhere between RAW and a JPEG. If you're thinking about it in terms of like yeah. an image, gives you a lot of flex when you it. when you take it into editing. It gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of color and contrast and exposure. Mm -hmm. So you have a you have a lot more when you hear 10-bit 4.2.2. It sounds very intimidating and complex, but really all it means is that there's a lot of information there for you to play with yeah. after the fact. So exactly, you can make you can make video footage looks like something from you know, the matrix or something from the Coen brothers, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of flexibility within the image for you to work with. Yeah. Uh, and then 4k is resolution. And then the 60 and 120. So 4k, 60, 4k, 120, 60 and 120 are frame rates so that you can slow it down for slow motion. Do some slow mo shots. Yeah. Do some really cool. So you see a lot of YouTubers kind of do those very cool reels with slow motion, stepping through puddles or which right now, like, I mean, in the past couple of years, people have just been waiting for 4K 60. Yeah. That's been like the the ambition of the filmmakers that are currently like shooting. Yeah. And to get 4K 60 and 4K 120 in the next like iteration, like that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. We're going to see a lot of, hopefully we'll see a lot of like uh great slow-mo like sports and like all of that kind of thing. Yeah. That it, that makes it a lot more accessible for whoever for sure yeah for sure and uh the only the only other two things that i'm gonna mention is it now has a fully articulating monitor which it's the first that i've seen with sony in their mirrorless line mm -hmm. which is awesome because that's another sign that they've been listening to people because that's something that everyone who shoots video uses all the time yeah yeah so, so that and then the uh the the s the the card slot is kind of sweet the way it's designed the double double card I mean, slot yeah it's not like I mean it's not like a super technical like whatever spec sheet kind of thing but it's just I saw that and I was like that's that's it's a impressive. clever design it yeah. is it is clever design so in one direction you can you can slide in a SD card and in the other direction it slides in that CF Express Type A card uh, that Sony has now and. So you can use one or the other or both mm -hmm. with dual card slots. So it's two card slots that really act as two different card slots. So it's almost, it, it's just really cool design. And it's reminiscent of that, you know, Sony used to have uh, handy cams and uh, uh, DSLRs or translucent mirror uh, cameras that would accept both SD or their old school memory sticks. <laughs> <laughs> For those who remember memory sticks of the 90s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The super chunky boys. So, I still have one at my desk. I'll have to take a picture of that and put it up on the put on, it on the gram. Put it on the gram. There you go. So, well, those are those are cool. Kind of same. My my articles are a little uh, along the same lines. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the A seven S three from Sony just came out. Video video oriented uh, mirrorless camera, and on the same level, Canon just prior to that launched the Canon EOS R five and R six. Um, full-frame mirrorless cameras, both of which shoot just incredible and impressive video. Mm -hmm. uh, both Super shoot, ambitious. Yeah, like both, specs. both yeah. shoot 4K. The EOS R5 actually shoots 8K. Um, but with that, there were some concerns just right out of the gate. Right yeah. out of the gate. We're talking about a small camera yeah. uh, with, with a small housing with uh, very little cooling built in. Which it's like, it's slightly large for like, a mirrorless, uh, full frame, it is, like a, yeah. a kind of consumer level camera, but it's still a tiny mirrorless. 
So the yeah. imme- the immediate concerns were okay. So this camera shoots 8K, and mm-hmm. for those who may not be aware, with cameras that shoot video, a lot of heat can build up both on the processor and the memory card and on the sensor when when you're having that much light and processing happening at the same time. So 8K yeah. resolution. We're talking. So imagine your regular like 1080p HD television. Yeah. Now imagine taking that and quadrupling it. That's 4K, right? So a lot of TVs you buy these days are going to be 4K, but then you move it up and you double that. Now you've got double the eight times the resolution of HD or double the resolution yeah. of 4K. That is just an, an insane amount of data that's being processed in this tiny little camera. So the concern was, all right, how fast is this thing going to overheat, right? Right. Because so, anybody <laughs> who's shot any amount of uh, any amount of video on a mirrorless camera or any yeah in the past five or ten years like you know something about overheating cameras yeah. and shooting usually there'll be like a little yeah. little pop-up that says your, your camera's over here or even shut down on you so yeah uh what's interesting here is the things that have been kind of rumored murmured whispered about in the industry now the one is from this one article i found this is from tilta tilta is a uh camera cage company first those who shoot video cages are just things that you mount to your camera so that you can adapt different microphones, lights, et cetera. Now, Tilta, we sell Tilta products, and Tilta has announced, but not yet said that this is going to be a product they're making. They're, I think they're just putting their feelers out here, but essentially it's a it's a cage for the EOS R5, and on the back of it you can mount... Tom, I've talked to you about this. It's, a, <laughs> it's essentially a computer fan. Uh, it's a seven-bladed it's, yeah. fan that mounts to the cage so that it cools the back of the camera down while it's shooting video. Oh, you do have to have a cage for it to mount. At least according to what I'm seeing here. Yeah. It looks like you have to have the cage built on. It just doesn't snap onto the camera. Yeah. I guess I should have assumed that, but I was, I was, when I was looking at it, I was just like, does it like just click on like one of those, one of those screen protectors or something or is <laughs> no, it going to, no. yeah. So this thing is, it's a seven, it's essentially, it's a computer fan, but it's got like a little heat sink in it too. They like show all the layers in this article. And uh, for those who are curious what this might look like, I'll, we'll put a little link to the article How's in, our, it in, our, powered? in our show notes. So that's the cool thing. So um, the, the, here's the, here's the cool thing. And then I'll, I'll kind of address the concerns about it as well. So there are some concerns. There are some concerns. (laughs) So it's a seven bladed fan. Their claim is that in a minute's time, it will bring down the temperature by 59 degrees Fahrenheit. So it it subtract the temperature that the camera is and bring it down by 59 degrees Fahrenheit in one minute. That's crazy. Now it says that it will cool the camera uh, to a temperature of 82 degrees Fahrenheit while it's in operation. Now the way that it's powered is it's got this little USB thing that it plugs into and it apparently would plug into the camera and work with the camera to determine when it needs to engage itself. What? Yeah, so that's that's kind of the the cool part about so it. So is it running off of the camera's power though? You can run it off the camera's power alternatively you could, like how you, do you kill a camera battery like quicker than ever like that sounds like a great way to do it right now the alternative here is if you if you didn't want it to work with your camera you could essentially just plug it into one of those usb batteries or sure run a wire to a usb block into yeah, ac let's, power let's just keep building up that cage man <laughs> yeah so the downside of this is that um it's 6200 oh. 6, rpm 
Now that brings you to a noise level of 34 decibels. So for those who don't know, regular conversation is about like what Tom and I are talking mm -hmm. right now is about 60 decibels. Um, but 34 is half of roughly half of that. So we're talking about a loud whisper like this. It's, it's going to be noticeable it's in the footage if you're doing on camera microphone. Yes. So if you've got an on camera mic, your audio is essentially shot by yeah. using this device. Yeah. Um, and Tom, you had mentioned, <laughs> I, I cannot, I've said so many times when, when we've talked about this is just, I've, I've, I've said, I don't even know how many times I've said it, but I've said the figure eight pattern yep. thing with the microphone so many times, just when you're using a shotgun mic or a condenser mic of any kind, like there's a figure eight pattern where it picks it up. And most of that figure eight pattern is in front of the microphone, but there is a small bit that's just behind the microphone, essentially where that fan's going to be sitting. So this is an... I brought it up a lot and I don't know that it, that it's going to be a super, like it's not going to be that big of an issue just because I think that a lot of the people that are going to need to use uh, the camera and those settings are going to be either using a wireless lav kit or they're going to be like using a boom, uh, a boom mic of some sort and right. yeah, doing mics separately from the camera. Yeah. But if you're wanting to do 8k with an on-camera mic with this little fan it, the on-camera mic is going to pick up the fan for sure and and alternatively like if you're shooting on the on the eos r5 you can shoot uh 4k 120 so 4k 120 frames per second so you can mm -hmm. get that slow-mo typically when people are shooting that 120 frame rate mm -hmm. they're really capturing some b-roll they're not capturing the audio yeah. from this sure um at least when we, when i used it during we'll our throw some sick beats over it <laughs> or whatever they're gonna do yeah you know yeah so it's not like they're going to be using the audio anyway and i i know from having used uh been around somebody who's been using the r5 we got to test drive it mm -hmm. canon sent us a, an early test drive before it came out and um you know, we worked with Leonardo Carrizo and he did this really cool video. He's uh, awesome, man. Uh, we'll have a link to the YouTube uh, that we have on our channel, the YouTube video that we've got of him doing that in the show notes. But essentially what happens when he was shooting the 4K 120, mm -hmm. uh, everything got real hot. But yeah. we used none of the audio because it was just, it was B-roll. It was like really cool footage he was capturing. Yeah. So Well, and we had the intention of having an interview style yeah. with that footage sampled throughout it. So yep. you could have him like the audio is going to be him talking about the camera right. rather than whatever the, rather than the noisy bike and the burnout or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, along the same lines, um, so Tilta, Tilta came out with or announced this um, and still is kind of in question. I think it's, they're just kind of putting their feelers out to see what people would think of this kind of device. And, you know, yeah. I think it's cool. I think, I think it would, essentially it would work for, for people who are shooting B-roll like that and you want to put less stress on the camera body. But sure. along those same lines, um, and Tom, we've talked about this, companies will often patent things, but <laughs> not necessarily with the intention of producing the product. Yeah. If uh, you take a look at any rumor site, yeah, you'll look at, see look at lists Apple even. of yeah. patents that are never, never actually utilized. Yeah, so maybe they've got some uh, research and development going on and they don't want somebody to take their idea. They don't know if it's going to come to market, but they still want to protect that idea. Yeah. A company will patent. Um, I always kind of wonder, too, that if, 
if they're patenting certain things to throw people off the scent of what they're actually working on. Too. Totally possible. Yeah. Totally possible. So in Japan, Canon uh, filed a patent. Um, it is a EF to RF lens adapter. So mm. very similar to what you're seeing when you get the EOS R or the EOS R5. You can buy sure. an adapter so that those EF lenses fit on an RF body. Now this patent describes an adapter with an active cooling system built in. So essentially what we're looking at here is an adapter and inside of it is a heat sink, uh, heat sink wings, and then a <laughs> kind of a fan that takes air from underneath and spreads it around the ring and then up over it with vent ventilation holes. And again, for those who are curious, I'm looking at the. I, I've looked at the picture <laughs> and I have no idea what you're describing. Like it's just like it. It sounds like the way you like you look at it and it looks like some random piece from a Star Wars like something or other. It does. It it really does look like a uh, part of a, a the Death Star of some type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like um, this. Like yeah. If you're curious what we're talking about, again, we'll put this article in the show notes so that you guys can see exactly what we're describing here. But, but it's, it's essentially it's cooling the sensor from the point from the from the mount. Yes, right. Yes. Exactly. So what it's doing is it's it's bringing in a cooling atmosphere around a <laughs> ring close to the sensor so that it may not overheat, which is interesting. So it, again, points to this concern of overheating. And even Canon is kind of addressing this a little bit with a patent. They're well, saying, and it's, it's a patent, too, so there, there's no, like... Uh, it's going to produce noise if it does come sure, to fruition. Sure, uh, Any fan is going to produce right. noise. Right. Yeah, there's no fanless. No and it's right fan. in front of the sensor. You're putting a fan. Yeah. Like, that seems problematic for a lot of different reasons we'll see what happens and it's also like i think i've i think i mentioned this to you when we were initially talking about it too just the <laughs> just the whole we for the longest time uh camera manufacturers lens manufacturers have worked to make their lenses as like focus as silently as possible and now we're throwing <laughs> a fan on an, an adapter to like completely negate all of that like, it just yeah it seems a little backwards and it also seems like you shot you were there with the people shooting the r5 and r6 yeah. for a while like what did you see in terms of like heating problems and stuff was I, there honestly we didn't um the only heat issue that i saw on the r5 had nothing to do it first of all it didn't overheat at all when we were using it the entire time i had we had no r5 overheating issues even during the video shooting that like, even, even during the video shooting, the only thing that which, happened was when, when Leonardo was shooting the uh, R5 and he was shooting at 4K 120, uh, again, the 120 frames per second, he, it, it, the card filled up incredibly fast because it's a lot of data, Yeah. right? Yeah, so sure. he pops out the CF Express card and he hands it to me and it's, it is physically hot to the point where I said, ow. Um, like he puts it in my sure. hands and I'm, I'm blown away with how hot this card is. Um, yeah. So just the writing of the memory to the media was yeah. it, it made the card hot, um, which I mean those that's a, like I feel like that's going to happen. Those cards sure. can transfer at what fourteen hundred megabits per second, something which is bonkers. Yeah, like I would yeah I would be thrown off it if it wasn't like at least warm or something. Like it would just like that data transfer speed is just insane. Yeah, and I will like add to that. 
That the day we were out shooting that, that it was hot. It was really hot. It was in the, it was probably in the mid nineties. Yeah. So I mean that I'm with sure the with, Ohio humidity and all that stuff. Right. With with a camera with a black body mm-hmm. that absorbs light and absorbs heat and everything that's naturally going to happen. And in addition to that, you've got data writing to a card, um, which is also going to produce heat. So heat on heat on heat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which was impressive that even in that condition, the R5 did not overheat. I mean, that demonstrates for you right there that. Yeah. Indirect sunlight, all that stuff. This is, yeah. this isn't a, as huge of a concern as people are making it out to be, at least in my opinion. Yeah. In practical use, I think that people are going to be surprised by how little that's going to be an issue. Yeah. So that's that's the art. Those are the articles I found and and addressing some video concerns on the Canon side. And uh, I mean, honestly, like these two can like both the R five, the R six, yeah. as well as the A seven S three. Like I'm really excited for like what's going to Same. like that that capability that feels like a like the a more significant jump in terms of capability that we than we've seen in a while. I'll say that uh, these are. A- incredibly exciting i i think these are probably going to be i know it's it's 2020 and 2020 is just absolutely crazy but i feel yeah. like this is a great way to kick off the beginning of a decade yeah um, of camera it, technology it feels and i think nice it's nice to be able to get excited about something like this too. yeah and the other thing is i think that we're finding a lot of people these cameras are incredibly exciting i think it's a great way to kick off camera technology for the decade i think we're just scratching the surface of what's going to happen between now and 2030 but I think you're always going to find people who are wanting to create grabby headlines or nitpick technology. Sure. And I think that's what we're, we're finding. And it's funny, like you'll see, this isn't any different than any other camera release. And the, the camera, like very few of the R5s have been out. There's no R6s out there. There are no A7S3s out there. And people are still finding a way to kind of nitpick something that aren't isn't even in their hands yet. Yeah. So I, I think once we get it in more people's hands, uh, they'll actually see that it's that they're going to be insanely nice cameras. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think people are sleeping on the R6 too. And yeah. that's, the, oh, that's yeah. the one that seems to be getting the most flack for overheating right now that I've seen online anyways. But I don't think... I think that the video shooter is going to get the R5 and I think that the event shooter that's going to be using it like every day for weddings, for uh, graduations, for mm-hmm. that sort of thing, like even just like corporate events and stuff like that. Like I think that the R6 is going to be a slam dunk in those situations. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that that's, that's what's, those are the news articles that we found. Um, it, nice transition into, um, we want to talk about uh, our topic today would be picking the right camera for you. And the question we get here in the store quite often, at least when I was on the sales floor is you, people will come in and they'll be completely new to photography and they'll look at all the cameras we've got, look at all the lenses we've got. We've got them in nice displays on shelves and everything. And they'll look up and they'll say, well, what's the best camera or what's the best (laughs) lens? And uh, I'm just going to be very blunt here. There isn't one. There's, right, there's right. no best camera. There's no best lens. Right. There's, there's no such thing. There's and, different There's different cameras that kind of sing in different situations yeah. better than others. And yeah. 
what I do is I, I relate it to tools and I think mm -hmm. I probably uh, beat this dead horse enough with a, with a lot of people, but picking your camera and picking your lens is very much like picking the right tool for the job. Um, mm -hmm. I relate it to a demolition job. So if you're going to a demolition job, you're going to need a hammer, but what you don't want to do is bring a ball peen hammer. Yeah. You, you bring, want the big one. You want to bring a sledgehammer. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to figure out what your objective is first, sure. what you want to do, what you want to capture. And then from there build on, okay, what's comfortable to me and what's the right tool for the job. Sure. So, you know, with, with different cameras, you're going to have different strengths and different weaknesses. So let's say you're a sports shooter, you want something with a high frame burst rate. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you want something crop frame because that gives you kind of a better framing when you're talking about longer yeah. lenses. Um, or maybe you're a portrait shooter and you need something full frame and you need uh, a you prop. Want that bokeh. Yeah, you want that bokeh. So you want a prime lens with a huge opening, like an 85, 1.2 or 1.4. Yeah. Um, so it all really has to do with what you're doing, what you're comfortable with, and then kind of from there, whittling it down to like, what's your budget? Yeah. Um, but I don't even like to stick to that because sometimes um, it's helpful to it's helpful to wait longer to get exactly what you need rather than kind of rushing it and just saying, oh, I'll settle on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like there's there's definitely ups and downs for things like that yeah. too. And I think for somebody starting out, it almost doesn't, it almost, I, I hate to say it like this, but it almost doesn't even matter. Just get a camera in your hands and go start shooting and figure out what you want to do with it. Cause I think a lot of people walk in and they just are ambitious for photography. They just want to get into photography in some capacity without knowing what they want to do with it yet. Absolutely. And so in that, in that situation, literally pick up anything and just go shoot, like yeah. shoot as much as you can yeah. and as frequently as you can. And, uh, and that's going to help you figure out, first of all, like what you like to shoot. And then also like, what, what does this camera not do that you'd like it to, or what does this lens not do that you'd like it to? And then that gives us, that gives you kind of a starting point of like, where we can, where you can kind of launch off from. Right. Like, do you need a longer lens because you've started to go on walks and you want, like the birds have been super chirpy and getting your attention and you want to take better pictures of those? Um, are you shooting more indoors and want to shoot more of like your family and maybe a 518 would be better in those situations or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people hear what I, what I, at least when I was a customer at for Midwest Soda before I even worked here, what I really enjoyed about the people here is that the first thing we're not going to do is say, what's your budget? Like you go to, you go to buy a car and the guys go, Oh, what, what can we get you into? You know? And they, the only time you'll ever hear that is if somebody comes up and lists all their needs and then you're like, okay, where are we sitting in terms of like, where, where can you, right. we're like, especially like for organizations and stuff, they operate on a budget more so than right. other things, but you yeah. come in and you talk to Steph, who's our assistant manager and Nikon specialist or Sunny, who's our Canon specialist or mm -hmm. Ethan, who's our Sony specialist They're The first thing they're going to do is they're going to put a camera in your hands yeah. to see how you're feeling about it. Yeah. And I think that's very important to test drive what's available. Yeah. And in addition to that, um, just as kind of a, a little shameless plug, we, ha we have a rental department here too, where you can literally rent out cameras mm -hmm. um, and take them for test drives. And yep. we even have a try before you buy program. So let's say you you rent 
the Canon EOS R5. And you love it so much, you want to go ahead and... Which, he just slipped that in there. We do have one in rentals. We do have he one in He said that all nonchalantly, <laughs> and it's like, dude, that's a big deal. It is we've a big deal. An yeah, we, we've got an R5 in our, rentals, in our rentals now, and a bunch of RF lenses, too. So you can, you, when you when you get the R5, you get you even get a CF Express card rented with it. So you, you can nice. do that 4K 120. Yeah. But all of that to say, let's say you rent out the R5, you really love it. And you can take that day's rental. So you, you rent it on a Friday, you bring it back on a Monday. You're like, oh my gosh, I fell in love with this camera. Mm-hmm. You can then take the cost of your rental and apply it towards the purchase of the camera. Yeah. So what you, you do have to purchase within two weeks. I just want to, I, I want to get that, that yeah. detail in there too. But yeah. yeah, within two weeks, you can say, I love yeah. that rental so much. I test drove it and now I want to go ahead and I want to buy it. You take your rental cost and you apply it towards your purchase. So essentially what you've done is you've gotten yourself a free rental mm-hmm. to try out the camera you're going to buy. Sure. Um, which I think is really cool. So take advantage of some of those programs. Um, that, that yeah. we've got here or even just stop in and play around with a few yeah. things to see what we you're... always have like some studio some continuous studio lights set up and yeah. stuff like that to try it out on some portraits or we're always willing to go outside with you and try out like a birding lens or whatever absolutely and there's i don't know why they're always here but there's literally always a flock of like pigeons out on the wires out front so like there's always a bird out there for us to kind of test it on we keep them on payroll, Tom. Oh yeah, the pigeons. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely on payroll now. I was thinking, like, you're one of the first people here every day. I was just imagining you out there with like a bag of like seeds, <laughs> just throwing them. And no, I just take whole slices of bread. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a little Michael Scott action going on. I see it. I see it. Um, so with that, find your definition and your purpose behind uh, of what you want to use your camera or your tool for. And yeah. there's there's different different. You can. There's DSLRs, there's mirrorless, there's crop frame, there's full frame, and there's advantages and disadvantages to all those. And I would, I, I recommend that you sit down and you talk with one of our people too. I was gonna say determine. it's always, I the way I think of it is almost like we're part like coffee shop, part camera store, because we there is a point where where we'll sit down with you. And if you are kind of stuck with what do I, well, what do I do here? I'm thinking this and I'm thinking this, but I don't know really which I need more or which one's the, the better option or whatever. And we'll always have that conversation conversation with you. And like, and we'll let you know if there's any like major hangups or anything like that, that would, that would make the decision a little bit easier yeah. for you to make. Yeah. We're, I mean, we, we know what all of the brands kind of bring to the table and it used to be that people were were very brand loyal, like, oh, I've yeah. got a Nikon and all these Nikon lenses, thus I must always buy my sure. Nikon. But brand monogamy isn't so much a thing anymore. And I think all of us here can attest to that. Like yeah. Sonny, for example, who's our Canon specialist, he shoots Canon. He absolutely yeah. shoots Canon because sure. he's got to know his stuff there. But he also is, uh, he likes Sony too. So yeah. he has some Sony gear. I myself, I'm a Which f- I, I think Sonny was actually an early kind of can't, or an early Sony kind of person yeah, too. Very he kind of so. hopped on early. Very much so. Yeah. And you're a Fuji guy. I, I'm, a, I'm a Fuji guy, but you I, know, from time to time, I, I venture back into the Canon realm and I, sure. I dabble in that a little bit, especially with the new cameras coming yeah. around now. It's really cool. When I'm a, I was the Sony specialist and I've known, I've owned Nikon forever. Yeah. Like yeah. my first DSLR was a D80. Yeah. So you even used, I think he, did you use that tech? We even have like a tech art adapter that. Oh got, yeah. That I've got a Z6. Sony lenses onto a mm-hmm. Nikon body, which yeah. is, 
I mean, that's Tom right there in a yeah. nutshell. I'm putting a Sony <laughs> lens on a Nikon body. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that does. That is a pretty accurate description of like my shooting. It's like, <laughs> I've got. I own a Z6, and I would be throwing like Zeiss Battis lenses yeah. on it with that TechArt adapter, and yeah, yeah, maybe that, and trying to shoot a hockey game on an old Russian like Zorky rangefinder camera. <laughs> Those two things probably describe my, <laughs> the things I enjoy photo in photography. The yeah. Most, all of, well. all of that to say that each, each brand has its, you know, its strength. Canon is very easy to use. Nikon lenses are sharper than anything I've, I've seen. Sony's face detection is just out of this world. Even mm -hmm. focuses in on the eye. Fujifilm is just groundbreaking in terms of color and film adaptation, adaptation within their digital, cameras uh like i i know their their film guys have worked with their digital guys to kind of even mm -hmm. emulate provia velvia into the digital camera so all of that to say that the the brands all have their strengths they all have yeah. something to bring to the table and you want to keep those in mind when you're trying to figure out your purpose and figure out what tool is right for you sure um, so that's uh that's kind of how to choose how to think about what you want your camera to be and that there's there's no best or greatest camera best or greatest lens yeah um, it's all and just... really even going the other way there like at this point there's not really a bad camera either mm -mm. like to start out with like i started with a nikon d80 which felt like it like the image f starts to fall apart after 800 iso now with like a canon t7 or a d3500 or an a6100 you can shoot indoors with a kit lens and not really see any issue with with like digital noise or anything like that yeah there's it's pretty crazy there's no camera in our building that that would take a bad photo yeah you know it's about the person ah, in the right hand in the right <laughs> exactly hands. you put it's it in my hands and i'm i'm sure i could come up with some bad pictures <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna tell leo that you're taking some bad photos yeah <laughs> leo, yeah leo's is Tom's. my cat or Leonardo. <laughs> no, Leo, your cat. Okay. Leo, your cat. Oh, Dude, man. Got a Tom. couple good Leos here. Yep. Um, so all of that to say, there are some new tools on the market. We just, we want you to be aware of those. Um, you know, we talked about Canon's newest venture with the full-frame mirrorless R5 and R6, um, both incredible in terms of imagery uh, and video. The R5 doing 45 megapixels, 8K and 4K. The R6 doing 20 megapixels, again, doing 4K just incredible new mirrorless cameras um that we have test driven we've got youtube videos up on those now uh yeah highly, and then in highly... that youtube video like i just want to give a shout out like those the people in the in that video are like some pretty big columbus like heavy hitters in columbus yeah we in chose photo and video we They're chose awesome. people that we really wanted to to work with and we know that would really flex out those strengths yeah. of the camera like we worked with uh, uh leonardo carrizo yeah uh who's an osu instructor and he has done nat geo expeditions mm -hmm. um uh such a great dude spencer lookabaugh who mm -hmm. used to work here at midwest photos our lighting specialist he's now a freelance videographer and photographer just just incredible work mm -hmm. um commercial freelance everything in between yeah um and then uh, Monty Songpradith, who is of Open Image Studio here in Columbus, who's just a phenomenal, such phenomenal, a good portrait he, photographer. He's such a good portrait photographer, yeah. and uh, literally the nicest guy. Like you'll, you, he's in the shop quite a bit too. Yeah. So if you if you see him, say hi. He'll absolutely say hi, and oh, I'm yeah. sure he'll really appreciate like 
the right yeah just because yeah he's he's such a good dude just speaking yeah. of monty by the way yeah. like he, he messaged me this week on an instagram and he's he's stoked for this like we did a little sneak peek of this podcast like mm-hmm. showing everybody that this is what's going on oh yeah and he he is he's stoked like he is really excited for this and i yeah. told him like well we gotta have you on man like you're gonna be a i would guest totally on. love to have a conversation so, with monty on this monty you're coming on this show buddy Oh boy. <laughs> there it is. There it, there is. it is. I, uh, yeah. I'd also like, I feel like Leonardo and I feel like all three of those guys would be great. Oh yeah. For, that for sort sure. Of thing yeah. Too. We definitely have to I have could talk to Spencer on. and Leonardo forever. Yeah. Too. So, uh, kind of going down the list again. So the R5, the R6, we got that covered. Uh, Nikon has come out with a new Z5, uh, entry level full frame mirrorless. Uh, and in that it comes shipped with, uh, their very advanced autofocus system that detects both human and animal face and eye. Tom, yeah. you can, you can speak to this. I mean, you've, you've used this, uh, this on camera the, on and, the, well, I've used it on the Z6, right, that autofocus right. capability and it works really well. Like it, I shoot, I, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Kevin mentioned my cat Leo a little bit there too. And yeah, I, I shoot quite a quite a lot of cat pictures i like whenever i'm <laughs> testing out a lens or something and i want to see what it what it can do i'll just you gotta harvest oh. all that reddit karma man oh yeah <laughs> i haven't i actually i don't think i've posted a picture of leo to reddit but yeah but yeah um oh boy <laughs> uh, i just got unplugged my headphones got unplugged uh get a little pop there probably but sorry about that guys there we go um but yeah i think that i think that the z5 is really interesting uh, because Sony and Canon seem to be going right and Nikon just is going left. Like they're not, there was like this camera, I think is going to be a really interesting one just in terms of a, like an entry level full frame mm-hmm. mirrorless camera and making that space more accessible. Um, I think we will see something that is a little bit more uh, video centered from Nikon eventually, but I think that it's interesting that they just, they let kind of Canon and Sony sort out their, sort out their spec sheets now, and then are just kind of taking care of more of a more accessible crowd, like a crowd that's going to be able to like, yeah, get into their system a little bit easier. Yeah. Along the lines of the Z5 was that, um, when that shipped or when it when it does ship they also announced a new firmware for the uh z50 which is their crop frame mirrorless mm-hmm. camera <clears throat> and what's cool about this is they added the af that af for the animal and the human that's uh, really that's such a good move it's that's such so a nice. great move and we even we so it's for the z50 we've even got like the creators kit um mm-hmm. so those who don't know the z50 does vertical video for those who are are doing um instagram or TikTok or or facebook videos that are vertically oriented for mobile mm-hmm. um a lot of people will kind of hold a lot of people will um kind of laugh at the vertical video idea but truthfully it there it is there for a reason and the creators kit i think would really step up the game of folks who are trying to be those influencers on instagram or tiktok or facebook or or whatever platform that you're that you're really looking for yeah definitely and uh, I just wanted to note, I apolo- we apologize here if there's any background noise. It does sound like they're vacuuming the shop out outside the door here. Um, and that that little bit of a pause <laughs> and stammer there from Kevin was because we were like, what's going on? Yeah, is that I, the train? Or I, is yeah, that- occasionally there's a train that goes by too that you can kind of hear in the background. 
Yeah. Uh, but moving on, Sony, uh, they, they launched the A7R4, which is a great, the A7R. So the A7 series is kind of broken down into three little families. The A7, which is like your base model, great camera, um, just all around. Well, kind of does it, everything. It's well, yeah, it's okay. a well-rounded. It does everything camera. well, but it's not really like a specific anything. Yeah. So yeah. then you have the A7R and the R stands for resolution. And this is going to be your camera that is designed for ultra high resolutions. It, mm-hmm. it removes the anti-aliasing filter. Um, this is the fourth iteration of their A7R. Um, and it's just an incredible camera. And then they recently, uh, last week, launched the A7S. And the S is going to stand for sensitivity. So uh, you get a lower megapixel count on the full-frame sensor, but you get this incredible... It's a uh, 12.1 megapixel camera. Yeah, but you get this incredible sensitivity on high ISOs, um, which uh, you can even bring which, down that that noise. I guess I didn't even touch on that point with, mm-hmm. with my little rundown on the A7S III. Mm-hmm. The ISO goes to 409,600, which is a number in my mind, but I don't know where that sits in terms of sensitivity. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't even know what that means, like, in terms of shooting. I like, that's insane. I use the go-to word that people know I use around the office for that level of ISO. Yeah. Bonkers. Bonkers? Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> But it, like in that, they they showed a sample uh, shot at sixteen thousand ISO, and Ethan said, like, I mean, I'm just going off of Ethan's notes here, but he said it looked amazing at sixteen thousand, which is not sixteen hundred, sixteen thousand. Yeah, bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> just bonkers. <laughs> um, and finally, um, the Fujifilm X series lineup is is growing. You know, recently they launched the X-T4, which is the first X-T. So I have the X-H1. My wife has the X-H1. We bought this because it one, it's got the bigger grip on it, top-down mm-hmm. readout screen. More importantly, uh, it's got in-body image stabilization, the IBIS that mm-hmm. we've been talking about. So the, sen- is- the sensor actually moves uh, in accordance with your movement uh, so you can get uh, more image stabilization. Which I'm so happy that that's becoming a more common thing in it all is. the cameras that we're starting uh, that's part of the nice thing of branching away from the dslrs is yeah. that since everybody's heading to mirrorless it's like they're they're all starting to see some image stabilization as well yeah and so when they launched the xh1 a uh, uh, lot of people said oh well we want it in a smaller body let's see can we have ibis in an xt series and they asked for it and they asked for it and asked for it and of course fujifilm fujifilm listens they absolutely listen, and they put Ibis inside the X-T4, the fourth iteration of their X-T series. Now, they yeah. had to beef up the body a little bit. It's a bit thicker, new battery and everything um, for, for that Ibis, and I just I think it's an incredible camera. I, yeah. I love it. And it's insane. I would, I would honestly switch to an X-T4 uh, if, yeah. it, if it were in the cards for me right now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, are you, like, I know that you've mentioned it, but... Are you so? Are you waiting to see what happens with the XH line too? Yeah, to I mean that's that's the concern now. Is like, does the XT4 pave the way for the extinction of the XH line? And that's it's a concern for me because I really like that big grip. Yeah. I really like the top-down readout screen. So uh, it it makes me just kind of pause and see what's going to happen there with both the XH Which, and the XT line. Which honestly, I couldn't see that happening. Like with based off of Fuji and their past, like a lot of it. 
Like, I, I mean, I could even see them doing another XH body a sure. kind of in response to the A7S 3 the R5 and all that, and, like, making something that's even more insane video shooting-wise. Because yep. I think Fuji was really the first one to take on 4K60 as well, right? I know that the my XH1 does 1080-120. I think that the X-T4 does 4K60. I think you might be right. I'll have to go back and double check. Which, before this and all of these announcements, it was the only one I thought. You know what? Let's go ahead. I'm just going to look it up right now since I've got a computer in front of me. And... Um, but, like, I could see them kind of putting a little bit more into the X-H1 even in response to all of this. And I think that Fuji is a company that kind of... They do a lot of this where they, they create different body styles for different purposes mm -hmm. and different kind of functionality uh, with similar specs. Like the same sensor might exist in four different cameras, but they're intended for different reasons. And I still think that the X-T4 shooter exists, and I still think that the X-H line still, like that c customer still exists as well. Just as like... In the same way that like the GFX 50S and the 50R still, there's those two like customers still exist, and I think that we'll still con continue to see those grow. Yeah, I'm trying to find the specs right now on the on the uh, XH1 here on Fuji's site real quick. Uh, bear with me, specifications. I thought you were looking at the XT4 for the 4K60. Oh, I thought you said the XH1 did 4K60. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. <laughs> uh, da, 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 movie recording. Uh, 4K 24, 4K 30. Uh, nope, nope. It only goes. XT4 does not do 4K 60. It does not, according to the specs that are on their side. It does 4K 30, but it ah. will go up to 60 and 120 at 1080. Um, I will eat my hat. You should eat your hat. <laughs> He's putting it on a plate, getting out the knife now. Yeah. All right. So that's what's new in terms of tools. Um, let's move on to kind of kind of close this out. We want to give you some basic tips and tricks, uh, some tips mostly, and then uh, give you kind of a challenge. Tom and I have both kind of come up with a challenge for you for the week. And um, I just want to start out with these tips. Uh, you know, we often get people in here, customers, both customers and associates, and uh, they'll hand over a camera and we'll either feel, depending if it's winter, we'll feel that it's cold. If it's summer, we'll feel that it's hot. And it's incredibly obvious that they have left it in their car. Um, oh yeah. So Tom, my philosophy is basically this, and this is something that I live by. Oh my gosh. And I always You're have. You're not doing this right and now. And I always will. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't ever, for any reason. Do anything. No, I'm just joking. This podcast is going to be very office reference heavy, <laughs> I think. I mean, we already had throwing whole, whole, uh, no matter what, bread slices, no at matter pigeons. where, or who, <laughs> or who you're with. <laughs> you had that quote pulled up on your computer, didn't you? I absolutely oh did. Oh my God. <laughs> you came prepared. I, I did. Um, in all seriousness, uh, don't leave your camera in your car. Uh, don't <laughs> ever, ever, for any reason, leave your camera in your car. Um, yeah. There's a few reasons for that. Um, here in Ohio, we have uh, two seasons. It's either, uh, it's well, three seasons. It's either fall or it's extremely hot or it's extremely cold. Yeah. Um, and if it's extremely hot and it's extremely cold, that, so first, the reason you don't leave your camera in your car is 
people can steal it. People can yeah. break into your car and they're going to steal it. There's yeah. there's car thefts here in Columbus. It's a thing that Quite happens a bit. in every city. Yeah. Yeah. So and it, there's no reason anybody should be breaking into your car, but to mitigate the risk of your camera getting stolen, don't leave it in your car. Yeah. Um, we get people who who send us their serial numbers and they say, hey, somebody broke into my car. And then we you know we got to keep a lookout for it. And we have no problem doing that for for folks. Um, but if you can mitigate that risk of leaving it in your car, mm-hmm. uh, uh, then you, you, you probably not going to get it stolen. Yeah. Um, the other reason is if it's extremely hot, you have to think about your camera is typically they're um, black in color. They are, uh, they've got a lot of sensitive electronics in them, soldering points, plastics, all kinds of mm-hmm. things. So if you leave them in a car that's extremely... Lithium-ion batteries. Yeah, lithium-ion batteries. If you leave them in the car where it's extremely hot and then you bring them out into somewhere that's a little bit cooler, you're really stressing out the camera's internal structure and electronics and everything like that. You don't want to put that extra stress on your camera. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, you don't want to leave in a cold car either because there's Mm -hmm. liquid crystal displays that can crack. Um, You leave it in a car that's cold and you bring it in somewhere warm, then you've got condensation, you've got moisture that's building up inside lenses, inside bodies and that's just that's not good for it either so never ever you just gotta take care of it yeah like the same way you would like a pet or something yeah. like that just make make sure that i think that's a that's a good way of thinking about it think about your camera like it's a dog you wouldn't leave yeah. your car you wouldn't leave your dog in the car yeah um so don't, hopefully no don't <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah be a and, good person <laughs> and so don't leave your camera in the car yeah um so that's that's just uh that's one of my first tips um yeah. The other I thing, like the other thing that we see uh, when, uh, at least this is something I notice quite a bit, mounting and unmounting lenses. Um, mm. You want to allow gravity to work in your favor. So when you're mounting and unmounting lenses, there's a mounting point that's metal, both on the lens and on the body. And when you uh, switch, like when you're mounting it, you're twisting it. There's very small, even sometimes microscopic metal flakes that can come off and what you don't Mm -hmm. want is those falling down into your mirror box or onto your sensor if you're using mirrorless yeah um it just it results in more camera cleanings down the line yeah and and you want to try to avoid you know doing that so you don't have to clean your camera sensor as much um in addition to this tom you had brought up before when you take off uh a lens off of your camera body what don't you want to do with the camera body? Yeah, you know, like I see it all the time, especially in the shop. People just, they'll set their camera body with the mount facing towards the ceiling. And pretty much in any situation, you just want to be facing it down just so that there's less likelihood of dust and all that kind of stuff falling in there. Or at least like when you go to set it down, just put the camera like on its base plate. So have like the shutter button facing up and the prism on the top side. So... Yeah, you just, you don't want to, yeah. That's that's just to minimize the risk of all that stuff that Kevin's talking about with dust and all that. Um, and outside, that's important too, especially like there's the element of wind and all that stuff too. You just want to minimize how long your lens is off of your camera, um, especially outside. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of another way of taking care of your camera and making sure that you're, you're doing everything you can to kind of keep it nice. I've seen like, uh, like photographers that are shooting, like, I don't know, like 
races like out in out in the dunes and stuff like car races out in the dunes and stuff and like they literally they'll have three different cameras with their three different lenses on it because they don't want to change lenses and like in that dusty environment and i would i would recommend the same in in those kind of conditions as well as like at the beach anywhere where there's like salt in the air or if there's like sand and all that kind of stuff just leave it all put together and wait until you get back and dust it all off and wait until that point to kind of swap things out. Yeah. Yeah. Your cameras don't like sand. No, it's rough. Not at all. And, and it's coarse. We can always, when that someone was... rents a camera and takes it to the beach, you don't think we can tell, but we can absolutely tell. Oh, like yeah. you could have cleaned it off completely, but there's, those buttons don't click the way they used to all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> like it did. you cameras hate sand yeah they hate sand almost as much as anakin skywalker oh my gosh so a star wars reference yeah oh i know it <laughs> all of that to say so so kind of looping back around here let's uh owning a camera <laughs> owning a camera involves maintaining it as a proper kit and a proper technology and with that i also recommend <laughs> buying a camera bag and this is uh, full transparency, I, I've worked for a camera bag company, and I see a lot of people pull their cameras out of, you know, regular purses or regular backpacks with no kind of protection in it. And firsthand experience, I can tell you how much thought and work and research goes into different types of phones with those divider dividers inside of proper camera bags that, yeah. we, that we sell, or really that you can find anywhere. So... If you have to store your camera in a regular purse or a regular bag, we, mm -hmm. we have inserts for those. Yeah. We have wraps for those mm -hmm. so that you can properly uh, protect your investment, which is really what it is. I mean, you're, you're using this to either one, capture a memory that's of value to you, or two, using it to gain uh, uh, money or, or a job or put something on your resume. So it is an investment yeah. of some type, whether it's, mm -hmm. it's a hobby or it's a job. And I think uh, as being an investment, you need to protect it as much as you possibly can. Sure. Um, it involves regular maintenance too, much like a car. You know, we kind of bringing it back to kind of the car analogy where, you know, we're, we're talking about thinking about it as a tool and trying to find the right one for you and something that you're comfortable in. It's, it's much like buying a car. You have to maintain it too. You have to put gas in my car. I have to put oil in my car. I have to... Mm -hmm. I have to make I just sure change my air filter yesterday. Yeah. Change your air filter, um, rotate your tires, things like that. So with, yeah. with cameras, you also have to make sure that you're maintaining that as well. So making sure that the ex externals of the body and the lenses and everything are staying clean, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that the sensor is staying clean. So you're not having constantly Photoshop out spots on your images. And then, yeah. you know, if you find that you're, um, your lens might be just slightly off in terms of sharpness, uh, getting a micro autofocus adjustment or uh, what we call micro AF adjustments. So both, again, which we even do diagnostics for that kind yeah, of thing. And we do that if you, here. If you bring in your camera and you're like, if you're wondering about any of this, does my sensor need clean? Do I need an AF adjustment? Which if you need an AF adjustment, it's going to be pretty apparent. Like your images are not going to be focused properly and they're yeah. not going to be as sharp as they could be. Um, but the, the dust on the sensor may not be as apparent, especially if you shoot at higher apertures, mm -hmm. but we're always willing to take a look if, and like a lot of times 
if you're if you think that you need an af adjustment i would say at least 50 percent of the time it's us helping you with your autofocus settings so that you get more accurate results no matter what and so that ends up helping you down the road like either way like it, it, whether you need an af adjustment or not like you'll know how like what autofocus to use in different situations so that you get more hits than misses right and and just like a car like some people are comfortable changing their own oil mm -hmm. or rotating their own tires or, or so on and so on so some people are comfortable cleaning their own sensor or doing yeah. their own micro af adjustments if they have the tools to do so but if you're not comfortable doing right. that we do that here at Midwest yeah. Photo. So if you want to bring it in, like Tom said, we'll run a diagnostic on it and tell you whether you need a sensor sure. cleaning or micro AF adjustments. And if you do, then it's a service that we can provide to you, uh, you know, at various costs, depending on, on what you have. Yeah. Um, so if you want to do it, you can do that. We have the tools here that you can buy to do those things. And if you're not comfortable doing that, we'll do it for you. And, yeah. and, charge and in you. terms of that, you, you were talking about a maintenance plan and stuff, and I guess we still are, but in terms of that as well, we offer, so sensor cleanings are always $50. We, I typically tell people go grab a bite to eat and come back and it, it'll likely be done. Mm -hmm. Usually takes about a half hour to two hours, depending on how long the wait is, if we've got people ahead of you or anything. Um, but then on top of that, um, with the maintenance plan and all of that, we also do drops and spills coverage on pretty much any camera and lens system, which includes two sensor cleanings a year. You would have to send it in to get those, but that's a, and like oftentimes the first three sensor cleanings, by the time you would have paid $50 for each one, paid for that drops and spills coverage that also covers, and that also covers like if you were to drop, drop your camera in the mud or something, or if you did get sand in it or whatever, it, yeah. would, it would cover that kind of, yeah, need. Yep. So, yeah. so all of that to say, we wrap, we're just kind of wrapping it up for you guys. <laughs> kind of rambling a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we've talked about picking out the right camera for you, making sure that you're comfortable with it, making sure that it's, uh, it's the appropriate tool for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, here's my challenge to you guys after we've talked about the maintenance and mm -hmm. what not to do and what you should do. Uh, I, have, I have two challenges for you, and they may not be as fun as, as you know, going out and shooting a project, but one inventory all your stuff once a year inventory Absolutely. all your stuff make an excel sheet list off all the and serial keep it, numbers keep it up to date as you like once you do it initially yeah you can just add things on and it's going to be it's going to be a lot easier to kind of maintain than if you do it every three years it may be a little bit tougher well depending on how often you're getting gear but right yeah. So, and if, if for nothing else, your own well-being, but at best, then you have a list. Should something, universe forbid, something happen and you leave all of this equipment in your car, like I've told you not to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, your stuff, stuff gets stolen. And stuff then you happens. Have, yeah, you have a list to, to hand over to the police, to us as a camera store to keep, the, to keep an eye out on, to your insurance company so that you may be able to get this stuff replaced or at least compensated for replacements on it. Um, and then once you have that inventory list, make a maintenance plan. We all have these devices in our pockets called phones. They've got calendars and reminders, mm -hmm. make a maintenance plan for yourself to, um, get a sensor cleaning so often, depending on how much you use your camera. Or at least getting it looked at. Yeah. All that stuff. And yeah make, sure. Make, make sure you've, you, you know, your, your AF is functioning per normal. Make sure you, you know, once a month you're sanitizing your equipment for all the places that you take it, so on and so on. So yeah. 
make an inventory and then make a plan for maintenance. And, uh, that that's my challenge for you. Uh, I think Tom might have something a bit more fun for you. I've got a way more fun challenge. <laughs> I've got mine's going to be a blast. I hope. Um, so in the past seven days, I've seen a lot of Coen Brothers movies. I started with uh, Raising Arizona, went to uh, Barton Fink, then uh, Miller's Crossing, and then just. A couple of nights ago, I finished uh, Blood Simple. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've taken away from those is how well uh, the Coen brothers use lighting uh, to convey tone and to make you feel the emotion that they want to evoke in a specific scene. And specifically in Barton Fink, it's like, I mean, Barton Fink is a crazy movie. It's a lot, to me, it's a lot like Donnie Darko and that no matter how many times you watch it, you may never fully understand what they're like. What's going on. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> insane. And, but my challenge for you is to maybe pick your favorite movie or pick your favorite director or something like that and watch a movie and try to pick a scene where you think that the lighting is just spot on or where you think like, and just try to replicate that scene and just, yeah, try to, try to recreate it using your own means, whether like in, whether that's, I mean, you could use speed lights, you could use, I mean, when I was in college, I'd take, uh, I'd take lampshades off of lamps and like create modifiers out of like, aluminum foil to like get the look that I wanted for certain shots and like just just trying to replicate those and a lot of times these DIY kind of replication kind of shots even if like I don't know even if you're using like a bathrobe instead of like a a, a, like a hospital gown or something it could like you can come up with some cool and creative like beautiful shots definitely and that's my challenge and Part of that, part of me kind of watching and like seeing these scenes and like being kind of moved by them was realizing that it's someone's job to create, to like light the scene and to figure out how to best match the emotion that the director is trying to convey. And like that kind of blew me, like that, that thought process kind of moved me a little bit in a way that's like, I, I want to get better at lighting. I want to figure, like, I want to try to sort some of these things out. Yeah. Admittedly, that's a much more fun challenge, <laughs> right? Right, and it's you know Tom's right. It's it's I, I think you got to think about this as somebody's job uh, to to really try to elaborate on the scene and make you think a certain way about it. And I think that's really cool that that's that's somebody's job. Yeah. And I used to do this a lot where I'd look at either movie posters or ads and I try to reverse engineer the lighting, but I never actually try to do it. I would just yeah. try to figure it out. Yeah. And I think it, it it's really fun to Which try to, it's to, completely different. Like photography, I think is one of those things that like when you do it in your head, it goes flawlessly and smooth. And then you try to do it in real life and you're like, four like two or three in the morning you're like what like where is that catch light coming from? <laughs> you know and yeah. like whatever yeah so that's a good challenge i like that a lot okay so uh thanks to i want i kind of want to just wrap this up by giving yeah. our, our end credits and letting you know more about us if you want to try to contact us yeah. um we're at 2887 silver drive off of i-71 and weber 
uh, we're Midwest Photo. If you guys have any questions, you can uh, always stop by. Right now, our operating hours are Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. Um, you can also contact us during those times via uh, phone at 614-261-1264. And we are open 24-7 online at mpex, M as in Midwest, P as in photo, ex.com. Um, we'll have our address and our phone number and our website there and our show notes. Um, if you guys want to share images with us, we want to talk more, uh, give us ideas uh, for topics on the podcast yeah. that you want to hear about or people that you may want to hear interviewed, you can always hit us up on social media. We're practically, I think at this point, almost on every social media platform. So we've got a Facebook, we've got a Twitter, we've got uh, you've got the, the IG, the Grams, the Instagrams. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, we're probably the most active on Instagram. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. That's, that's where, that's you where know, photographers live, yeah. I think. If you want to message us, we're probably going to be the yeah. most responsive there. Yeah. Um, but we're also on TikTok um, uh, at Midwest Photo, and then you can find us. Uh, we've got a subreddit, uh, R Midwest Photo. Uh, we're still trying to get off the ground there. Yeah. Uh, Tom and I both have store accounts for Reddit, um, so if, if anywhere online you're talking about us, we'll we usually pick up on it one way or another and try mm -hmm. to help you out if you just want to call out our name somewhere. For um, sure. We're going to get this episode up on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're going to work on getting on Stitcher and Spotify as well so that you guys can listen to this any which way that you want to listen to this. Um, but we also want to give a special thanks and uh, credits to uh, the people that helped us out getting us uh, the structure of this podcast started and uh, the ideas and the name behind it and everything. So big shout out to our executive producer, Maddie O'Neill. Huge shout out. Yeah, Maddie yeah. is our social media coordinator. But more importantly, she is our executive producer of this show, The Two yeah. Weird Camera Beards. And, she, uh, yeah, she keeps us on track. Yeah, from like we we're still ram like we of course are still going to ramble like crazy. And <laughs> Tom, but, Tom and I are two cats that Maddie has to herd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and definitely. So big big thanks to Maddie for for structuring the show and and just being an all around awesome person and and keeping us in line. Um, big thanks to uh, our vice president Ken Lewis. Um, for and for inspiring us, uh, TJ Hansen, our rentals manager, for helping us out with uh, naming and ideas. Uh, huge shout out to Casey Stewart, Katie Walter. Um, our logo is created by the awesome graphic designer Josh Applebaum, who's our yeah. graphic designer here at Midwest Photo. So huge shout out to Josh for creating just an incredible logo for us. Um, also, thank you to uh, Moisha Applebaum for letting us take over his conference room here at the store to do this podcast and record. Definitely. Um, we're using a Rode podcaster and some Rode mics uh, on some C stands right yeah. now. Hope to hope to kind of step up our, our rig a little bit yeah. later in the future, but this is this is what we're starting off with. We, and and we, are, we are in the shop right now, so I'm sure you guys can hear doors opening and closings, con like conversations happening outside the door and stuff like that. I've, we apologize for any noise, but I mean, that's just... The, that's the cost of doing business here in terms of just like <laughs> wanting to do anything audio within the shop. If you, I'm just happy a train didn't go by at some point too. I think it did. Did it? It did. I didn't if even you picked it. up on it and you're familiar with our store and you've been inside, you'll know that a train goes by on a sometimes, pretty regular basis. Sometimes a few. Even, <laughs> but yeah. So shake the building a little bit. But, but uh, big thanks to all those folks who who helped us uh, today yeah. get this first episode off the ground and. The big shout out to my co-host Tom. Thanks. Good job, Tom. Thanks. Good job, Kevin. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening. Uh, like we, I mean, it it really is you and our customers that we like. 
that is the reason we do this. We love the photo community. We love being a part of it in any way. And we're just, we're happy to be here. And I mean, we're approaching an hour and a half on here. I don't know if we're going to edit that down. I'm sure we will, but if you've stuck around this long and listened to the entire podcast and like, like we very thankful. Yes. Super. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. So we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. See you guys. See you. Hey guys, one quick last little note. Uh, I really want to thank my good friend Ray Sherlow for letting us use his song Try a Little Harder from his album Forward Facing uh, for the intro and outro of this podcast. Uh, I absolutely love Ray's music that he makes and I'm so happy that he's letting us use it. Um, if you guys dig it too, check it out, raysherlow.bandcamp.com. We'll also have that link in the show notes. And uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.